Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith, and this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. And we come to it to see through it and see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. So Psalm 98 comes on the scene and very similar to yesterday. It is a psalm that celebrates the kingship of Yahweh. Right. So the theme we see permeating the psalm is God's victory. Right. And God's salvation. Right. Victory and salvation, depending on the translation you use, come from the same root. So verse one, we'll talk about this. Sing a new song to the Lord, for he has performed wonders. His right hand and holy arm have won him victory. Verse two says it again. The Lord has made his victory known. He has revealed his righteousness in the sight of of the nations. Now, not only has God made his victory known, but more specifically, it is the way in which verse two says God reveals his righteousness. All right. And I love it. God has revealed his perfect and righteous and just nature in the saving reign of his people. All right. That is a good way to actually summarize the gospel. Right. We know that God will do right by us in keeping us because he has done right by us in saving us, right? That's just such a glorious truth. We know he'll do right by us in keeping us because he's done right by us in saving us. And he keeps saying as well that this was before the other nations. Now, remember, we've been saying over and over throughout the Psalms, our salvation is a missiological tool that God uses to bring the peoples of the world to himself, right? Verse two tells us this in the sight of the nations. And then it says this, let the whole earth shout to the Lord, be jubilant, shout for joy and sing. Now, as you read this song, notice the flow, right? Notice the shape of the text, right? It moves from God's people to other nations, to all of creation, right? Giving him praise. And what we have in the form of an embryo, um, you know, sprouts and blossoms in the New Testament, in the climax of history um, here. So what do I mean? Well, at the end of time, we will have the entire creation renewed and remade in a new heavens and a new earth where righteousness will dwell throughout the land. And this psalm is merely serving as an appetizer for the feasts that is to come in such events. As we slide over to Psalm 99, uh, we're still on the kingship of God. Why? Because it's that glorious. And notice what he says in the very first verse. The Lord reigns. Let the peoples tremble. He is enthroned between the cherubim. Let the earth quake. If you are listening to this and you have or have driven a vehicle, right? (laughs) You know that one of the ways the laws of physics constrains us is by the disallowing of your vehicle to go forward and backward at the same time, right? Is physically impossible, right? And if you are driving down the highway at 60 miles per hour and you try to put your car in reverse, you will tear up the transmission and engine and rip a hole through your wallet in the midst of it, right? And I say that to say, unlike the laws of physics, the Bible wants us to go in both directions at the same time, forward and backward. So in Psalm 98, we look forward to the end of time and the renewal of all things. But here is the language of Yahweh being enthroned above the cherubim, these angelic beings. And it jogs our memory to think of Genesis 3 
Exodus 25, in places like 1 Kings 6 to 8, where you have Eden, the tabernacle, and the temple, and these cherubim that are apart, or these cherubim are near, yeah, the throne of God. And what this psalm is doing is trying to highlight the presence of God, right? All those three places have in common is, yeah, God's presence was there. And specifically here, it's looking at God's kingship and his throne and his presence in light of his holiness, right? God's holiness, right, is something we should meditate on every single day. What do I mean by the holiness of God? Well, God's holiness is his utter and set apartness from creation in all things that are created. God is in a class all by himself. Kanye West in one of his songs um, said that uh, back in the day, this back in the day before you know, he was like, um, man, I'm not the most high, but I'm close by. And it's like, nah, bro. Nah. God is unlike anything that is conceivable to the finite mind. Right. He is holy. He is set apart from anything we could ever imagine. But also his moral purity. Another aspect of his holiness is his moral purity and perfection that he is untouchable by anything in the universe because he is perfect. And in light of all of that, Look at verse eight. It says this, Lord, our God, you answered them. You are a forgiving God to them, but an avenger of the sinful action. Speaking of the saints of old, he mentions that God is utterly holy and yet simultaneously forgiving. Right. Family, the psalm is trying to show us that the most holy person in the universe is the most forgiving person in the universe. And the most holy people on his planet should be the most forgiving people on his planet. And this is one of the many infinite ways we can reflect the divine image. Psalm 100 comes and it's really short, but basically, you know, it's talking about praising the Lord and praising the Lord and coming before him. You know, joyfully were in a real way heart postures that the Israelites were expected to have in coming into the temple. So ancient Israel saw, you know, worshiping God as a real privilege. Why? Because they were understanding of the vast worth, right? And infinite worth of God. And he was that big and that bright to him, to them. It says this, acknowledge that the Lord is God. <laughs> he made us and we are his, the, his people, the sheep of his pasture god is both creator and shepherd he is both father and leader he is someone whom we have this deep and intimate relationship with and he is also <laughs> the one in the universe who we can say forever and ever he is mine and i am his lastly psalm 101 you know one of the things uh you learn as you go and read scripture is that you have to ask yourself a question after being washed over with such magnificent truths as we talked about in these last few Psalms. And that question is this, so what, right? On the words of Francis Schaeffer, a 20th century theologian, apologist, philosopher, who lived from 1912 to 1984, he would ask, how should we then live, right? And Psalm 101 tells us, right? Worship, faithfulness, justice, integrity. Now. It's all right here in your Bible. Now, side note, God is not hiding from you the things that he would have of you, right? Um, he's not hiding. He makes it so plain in scripture 
It's just on us if whether we're going to obey or not, right? So quick caveat though. Another Bible tip, <laughs> always identify the antecedent of the pronouns when reading scripture. What is an antecedent, you may ask? So an antecedent is basically who do the pronouns refer to? If you see a he or an I or a she or an it, who are they referring to, right? So here you have this first person uh, singular, I, 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 I. And yeah, who is the I here, right? Is it Israel, right? Is it David? Is it the Messiah? Is it Yahweh, right? Now, if you do your homework in context, you know, one, it is the Psalm of David, right? Um, but also, in light of the context, it is pointing to a future son of David, so the Messiah, an ideal king who would rule over God's people. Nonetheless, right, the virtues espoused here and the vices abhorred are those that should be taken on by God's people. Why? Because Jesus is our king and our greatest and most brilliant model, right? So the, the king was supposed to model what it was like to live as the ideal citizen in God's kingdom, Right. And the people were supposed to model that, right? And Jesus is that ultimate model that has come from the eternal bosom of the Father. So running through these really quick, in light of God's kingship, we, yeah, sing of the faithful love and justice. We will sing praise to you, Lord. We praise, right? We praise the Lord and worship. That's a given. Verse two, I will pay attention to the way of integrity. When will you come to me? I will live with the heart of integrity in my house. Basically, we seek to live with integrity. Right. Meaning our public and private life dance to the same tune. Verse three, I will not let anything worthless guide me. In other words, we won't be guided by anything other than God. Then he says this. I hate the practice of transgression. It will not cling to me. In other words, we hate and abhor sin, personal, public, private, institutional, cosmological. We hate sin. And then verse four, a devious heart will be far from me. I will not be involved with evil. Our hearts are in the right place and our motives and wills are going after his motives, heart and will for our lives. And this is how God would have his people live in light of his glorious kingship. It's all here. A beautiful string of Psalms all fitting together with the eternal thread of God's enthronement, reign and kingship. Let us pray. Father, we pray that as we meditate on your kingly glory and holiness, that we would ask, how should we then live? And God, you tell us. You tell us right here in your word. Help us to have eyes to see, hearts and minds to understand, so that we may obey you and thus glorify you. In Jesus' name.